You know, I've, I was lying in bed last night, and, and this is what came to me. So I'm just going gonna, gonna, gonna to speak this first, then we're going to look at just a couple of scripture, and I just want to talk to you. I don't have any particular format that we're going to follow, and I'm probably not going to give you step one, two, three, and four. So for you teachers, just hang on and try to follow, if you will. This is the thought that came to mind. If church becomes the means of our salvation, we miss the purpose and the works of Christ. I want you to think about that for a minute. If church becomes the means of our salvation, we miss the purpose and the works of Christ. How many of you know that church will never bring salvation? Only the Spirit of God will bring that. And the problem that I see and, and the things that, that strike me and, and cause me to fear sometimes for the, for the body of believers is the fact that we have put so much emphasis on church, we, we pour out condemnation on unbelievers that if you don't go to church, you're going to go to hell. Now, I'm not giving, okay, you're going to have to understand, we're talking about rules, religion, and relationships. There's your three points. Rules, religion, and relationship. I may not touch on all of them, but all of them will be encompassed in this same thought because I, I watch churches as we invite people to church. We, we ask them to come to church, and, and we ourselves sometimes don't even know why we're inviting. Oh, well, we say we do. We, we want them to come to church so that they can get saved, Right? So they don't go to hell, right? But when they get here, how does that happen? See, if I would leave it up to the congregation and leave it up to people and not take a stance where I take a stance, a lot of you would discuss with them the do's and the don'ts of religiosity. It might get hot. I better take this off. But we're talking about the rules, religion, and relationship. Where do you live? What do you live by? How do you live that out? What do you understand about that? What would you like to understand about that? My problem with the church and how they, how they, how we, because I was always told if I said you, it made you feel bad, and so I just start including me now, so it's we. But I still want you to feel bad, because that, I need you to understand something this morning. I don't care how good you are. You're filthy as rags. That's what the Bible says. On your best possible day, you are equivalent to dirty rags. That's why we must understand rules, religion, and relationship. Because if we live by rules... Those rules will only push us to religion. But if I can learn to live in a relationship, I now break free. Now, understand this. You cannot ever say law does not apply to you. You can't, you can't eat grace 
and not drink law. For it was by law that you came to realize you needed the grace which Christ brought. Too many of us stand and we say, I don't live by the law. Well, good for you. What do you live by? Grace? Wonderful. Now what's happened? You've become arrogant and pompous. Why? Well, God's grace is going to cover that, so I can do what I want to do. Come on, that's how... The... Lock the doors, Charlie. Where'd Charlie go? <laughs> Charlie didn't already <laughs> Charlie, I didn't mean it. <laughs> but we've come to a place in Christianity that we have adopted this, um, we've adopted this way of life, church. We've adopted this way. And we think that because we go to church, we're better than those that don't. This is why the churches are dwindling. There was an article, it was years ago, and they, they were talking about the top ten churches or something in the world. And I don't forget how many years went past, but those top ten have all shut their doors. So if you're, if you're shopping for church and you're looking for church and, and your ideal, ideology of church is, is big and flourishing and people everywhere, and th- be careful. Because what you're looking for is something to appease your flesh. You're not looking for the word of God. Well, I go to a biblical church. Do you? That's wonderful. Are you living biblically? See, if you, you can't, I'm, I'm going to get you either way. I promise you. But we've adopted this mentality of when people become saved, we tell them now how to be saved. Can't go out and have that beer no more. You're saved. You can't do this like this anymore. You're saved. You can't say that like that anymore. You say, okay, understood, understood. But can I tell you that salvation happens immediately to your spirit man, but not to your fleshly man. Matter of fact, your fleshly man will not be saved until you have now done away with mortality and put on immortality and that only happens when we get our glorified body so before you're quick to tell someone how to be saved make sure you understand the meaning and the purpose of relationship see if we can't teach people how to not only love God but teach them how to be loved by God See, that's your, uh-oh, all right. So this is where it's going to get a little sticky for some of you. Please don't be mad at me when you leave. 
Okay, just take it with a grain of salt. Do your own study. Spend your own time in prayer. Okay, get some neology after this one today. Okay. The church has set up, I'm still on my thoughts before I laid my head down and watched sugar plums dance through my head. The church has set unbelievers up for failure when all they have to offer are the rules and the religion. Okay, hold on. The church has set unbelievers up for failure when all they have to offer are rules and religion. If all you have to offer a sinner is come to church, give your heart to Oh, but you have to do it a certain way too. You got to walk down the aisle. You have to repeat after me. You have to cry. All of that, if all of that doesn't take place in that order in most cases, you aren't saved. Come on, I have heard it, and I've heard it from long-time believers. Well, they didn't even cry. What? But we, this is what we offer them. So first, the first thing's first. We believe that a sinner must be humiliated. Boy, if God ever put your sins on the stage. We think sinners have to be humiliated. So we say, we trick them. All stand, please. Will you bow your head and close your eyes? So we're tricking them. We're manipulating. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. It's going to be good this morning. We manipulate them into believing and thinking that all we want them to do is raise their hand in the dark while everybody else has their eyes and their heads bowed. And when they raise their hand, they're, they're raising their hand in confidence, thinking that you're just going to pray with them. No, no, no. i got to call you out. You've got to walk the hall of shame. Well, we going somewhere this morning, ain't we? We, we on a buggy. Because see, if they don't do that, then they don't truly have humility. They're not truly having a repentant heart. If they won't come to the altar, come on, listen, I have been taught this. If you aren't willing. I get the verse thrown on me like this. If you denounce me before men. My father. Right? We all heard that scripture. Let me, let, me, let me help some of you religious people out. If you want to prove something, you can open up that Bible and prove anything and everything you want to prove. I'm just telling you. That's why it's dangerous for pastors to proofread text. Or to proof text. I mean, it's... It's dangerous. We're, we're, not to, we're not to jump into the Bible going, oh, well, sister so-and-so, she's got a mouth on her. So I've got to preach this morning and make her believe. And we get up there and, boy, we lay it all out. It's one, two, three, four, bang!
But can I tell you that you can be saved behind a hay bale out in the field? Watch this. I'm going to give them the King James Version with a jackass beside you. Somebody got offended. Good. You don't have to. Who told you you had to go to church and bow your head at the altar? An altar that man had. Oh, okay. Come on, you rules and regulation people. I'm going to help you out with this one, too. You got to bow your head at the altar that man created for you. Dawn, somebody's going to be mad. But I'm, I'm trying to give you enough so that you can chew on this. So when we open up this thing about grace, you're going to understand it better. But I'm just telling you how we live right now. And I probably stepped on some of y'all's toes. Because we got a little bit of everybody. Baptist, Pentecostal, Methodist. Probably some brethren. Did I say Catholic? Catholic. Got a little bit of all of it. See, here's the problem with all of those religions that we talk about. Them and that alone, that's all they are. Is a religion. Somebody is saying they're right and telling everybody else is wrong. What? So when I say that all the church has done is set unbelievers up for failure, I mean it. Because now the unbelievers are going to come to your church. They just might like you, Dennis. You give them, uh, they give me some deer jerky. They just might like you. They go show up. They heard the pastor. They turned the lights down low. They played the, the really good music. They worked on their emotion. Got them feeling guilty. And then they made them walk the hall of shame. And then after they do that, okay, make sure you don't do this anymore. Make sure you don't do that anymore. I'll see you Sunday. Oh, by the way, bring your tithe. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm saying this lightly because I, I know for a fact that if I was to give it to you right now the way it's coming in here, I'm going to make a bunch of you mad and you're just going to walk out on me. I cannot imagine that heaven stands and cheers when people offer the opportunity to to respond to the gospel that they have to respond in such a negative manner. I don't see heaven leaning over going <laughs> if I was a betting man I'd probably say uh, they were probably going to Jesus and going what are they doing? What's that? That has nothing to do about what you did. You with me? Are you mad at me yet? I got chocolate candy bars in my office. If you're mad, I'll just. All right, you're tracking with me? All right, I'm just, I'm just, I just want to help you for a minute. Jesus now sets the way for success. By fulfilling the law. 
What did he say? I didn't come to abolish it. Right? We're going to read that in just a minute. He came by fulfilling, and he came and he set up ways for success by fulfilling the law and taking our sin upon himself that we may now become sons of God through him. So now it's no longer left up to you and I on how we become saved or be saved. Okay. All right, being that church is the bride and Christ is the groom, let me break it down to a marriage standpoint. Every marriage, somebody thinks they're bringing something to the table. Yes, you do. Most of you think you're bringing more than the other one. Y'all want to talk about your arguments last week? We got time. (laughs) Most of us enter into this holy matrimony that we have forgotten about with pride. That's why we argue. Because of your pride and your arrogance. Why can't you just be wrong? Because I'm not wrong, I'm right. Okay, even if you're right, why can't you still be wrong? Is it going to change? Because I promise you, man, if you've made her mad, she could be mad whether you're right or wrong. So you might as well just say, you know what? To me, this isn't worth it. Because I think this is destroying us. You're right. I have to say it like seven times, and then she'll be quiet. But I have to keep saying, you're right. And she'll go, but you're not. A, no, you're, you're right, baby. But I, 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 you're right. I mean, I mean, you're right. Three hours later, you're right. And I know deep down in my heart she's wrong. <laughs> but she's right. See, why can't we put ourselves in the place in which Christ put himself? Because Christ knew who he was, where he came from, and his purpose on earth. And yet, he still chose to remove his cloak and make it a towel and kneel at the disciples' feet. Yes, even before the one that was going to betray him. Oh, I already know your intention. I ain't doing nothing. That's the way we act. Christ is trying to allow us to understand some of this thing about grace. Whether we, whether we are perfect in all of our ways and you're not. You can't come to God without humility in your heart. It takes humility to even address God. Pastor, how can you say, because you're not going to go and ask anybody that can't do something for you to do something for you. You can't come to me and ask me for $100 because I ain't got it. And you already know I ain't got it, so you ain't coming. (laughs) You going to the one that's got it. 
Hey, mama. <laughs> See how marriage works? <laughs> you want money? Look, you got to look. You get allowance yet? You know, he said, <laughs> never mind, we'll leave it alone for a later date. Later date. Because Jesus, Jesus has set up something for us now and that our reliance for our salvation is no longer weighted on what we do or do not do. It is 100% now weighted on what he did. You can't add to his blood. And if you think that you can add to it, you are in dangerous, dangerous, dangerous ground. Because now you have taken the role of God and you said Christ wasn't good enough. How does that make you feel? So, rules, religion, relationship. How are you living it out? Got your Bibles? Let's go to Matthew. Y'all okay? That was just the pre, that's the prequel. Prequel, that's before. I'm going to pick on you all day. This is Jesus. This is Jesus talking. He said, do not think I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I've not come to demean or decharacterize or do away with anything that you have learned and understood up to this point. I've not come to do away with it. I've come to fulfill it. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jottle or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of these least of these commandments, this is Jesus talking, and teaches men so, he's saying whoever that will do away with any of this or teaches anyone to do away with these. You with me? So if you want to believe it and now you want to teach somebody else the same, Jesus said, shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you, that unless your, watch this, unless your righteousness, go ahead, you're good, exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, all right, you, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Okay, so, you, so that you understand this, because we, we really do give Pharisees and Sadducees bad rap. I mean, we, we hammer them in their um, religiosity. We, we hammer them in that. We hammer them in their actions, their, their pompous attitudes, their arrogance, um, how, how they always tried to down somebody else, and they always showed themselves greater. Man, we can beat the Pharisees and Sadducees up, but I, I need to let you know something and understand something. At that time, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were the ones that were abiding by the law. 
They wasn't ready for that one. They, they were the ones that were, that was, they was holding those and some. They were just trying to make sure you couldn't keep up with them. So in, in their righteousness, what they were earning by their walk and by doing and, and upholding what God was asking them to do and, and they would do their sacrifices when it was time for sacrifices. They would hold all the feasts. They, they, they would do it all. They put all this stuff together and man, they were, they were doing it. Now, Jesus is talking to the church people now. So I want, this is, this is where it's going to get a little tight. So I don't want you, you don't, if you, if you know how to do this in church, you just sit perfectly still, look at that screen, because Tommy's getting ready to put something up there when I tell him to. Look at that screen, and I, I just, as long as you don't make eye contact with me, don't look at the person beside you, don't give anybody an elbow. Just, better yet, if you touch and somebody let go. Because you go, Dennis, you're getting ready to mess up. You're getting ready to go, ooh, ooh. And she, see, there it goes. All right, so watch, okay? This is, I want, I want to help you. I want to help you. You ready? Tommy, go ahead and put it up. No, just look, don't look at me. Don't look at me. Now Listen. You shall have no other gods before me. Let me explain. Is there anything that you've ever put before God? Don't, don't, shh. Don't answer. It's going to make you look bad. Number two. You shall not make for yourself any idol. You shall not take the name of God in vain. That doesn't mean the word that they use that just turns my stomach. We're just talking about God's name in vain in any possible manner. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Instead of drinking beer and getting drunk at the game. Or overeating. Or gossiping after church. Don't look at me. You keep... If, <laughs> You better, you better look up here. Don't look at me. The eyes are the windows to the soul. You don't want me looking. Okay. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. Hopefully most of y'all haven't actually walked that out. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not lie. See, we can hang here a minute because I'm just letting the Holy Spirit just work you over on that one. You shall not covet. Okay, now listen. All right, Tommy, take it down because I don't want them thinking I'm trying to trap them. Okay, now listen. Have any of you not before you got saved, since you've been saved. Guilty of any of those. Oh, you are? Hmm. So I'm to rely on you to show people 
how to be saved. All right, now I'm going to help you out. I'm guilty of them too. What well, made you feel good, didn't it? The preacher. I'm full of sin. I got to fight it every day just like you do, brother. And guess what? Some days I fail. No, I just lied. Most days I fail. I just lied again. I can't lie to kids. I fail every day. And if you'll be honest, you do too. Any of you had an outburst of anger? Sin. Any of you ever cussed? Still cussing? Probably cussed on the way to church. Sin. Ooh, somebody's getting an elbow because somebody cussed this morning. I mean, they just, they in church. We need family counsel. So here's my question. If your righteousness and your salvation is dependent upon whether you can or cannot, Tommy, put it back up there. Handle that. How many of you failed? Okay, so, so we understand the law now, right? We, we've, got the, we've got the rules and we've got the religion because religion, all that's doing is causing you to work towards your own salvation and your own redemption. Remember, they had to bring once a year, they had to bring something and offer up an animal so that God wouldn't strike them dead. Right? And if they couldn't afford it, they could buy it at the, buy it at the temple for a lower cost, unless she was one of Eli's people. <laughs> Never mind, I ain't got time to get all into that one. So the best possible, the best possible means of redemption and salvation at this time before Christ was that you could bring a bull or a goat or a dove and lay it on the altar and hope and pray that the priest that was going in lived a life better than you because he's getting ready to offer up not only his sin but the sin of the camp. Boy, wouldn't y'all, wouldn't y'all be in trouble this morning if I had to go into that room? Go ahead and agree. I know you want to. If I had to go into that room and offer up your sins, and it was reliant upon me, most people just snatch purses, grab wallets, turned over the shoulder, said, kids, let's go. <laughs> Sit down. This is what religion offers. Do you see how much failure that is presented to unbelievers? If believers can't do it, how do we set unbelievers up and expect them to do it? And you want to go, well, that salvation didn't take. Well, I'd love to hear that one too. Jesus' blood ain't good enough. 
That one didn't take. He still went home, cussed, drank a beer, and watched a football game. Boy, that didn't help. Pastor's coming. Hide your smoke. Well, that didn't help. Are you, we doing okay so far? You haven't? Okay. Let's, let's, let's do this. Let me, let me see my notes. I've got to turn my book upside down and everything else to read some of it. Oh, here's a good thing. The law doesn't make men sinners. Sin came through Adam. The law just presents your sin in a magnifying glass now. And says, well, you've been used to living like this. I've got to show you that you can't. See, we want to put the law on people and say, well, you're going to hell. You, you've done this and you're going to hell. You can't do that. Just because that person failed at that particular law on that particular day, you have no right, no authority to go to them and show them the word and go, you are going to hell. Be careful how you judge, lest you be judged by the same measure. Worry about the plank in your eye before you're concerned about the brother's splinter in his. So the law doesn't make sinners. The law exposes sin. All right. I'm really trying to get through some of this because I want you to understand this. Ah, ah. This, this, this is for those of you that think that the Old Testament was law and the New Testament's grace. There was no law submitted to Israel until Israel stood on their own merit. Remember when they went to Mount Sinai in chapter 19? Up until then, they, they said God took care of this. Right? God took care of that. He parted the Red Sea. He gave us water. He's given us manna. He's done this. He's done that. It's God, 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 God. Well, before they even got the law, even before Moses gave them the law from God, they said, whatever God tells us to do, that's what we will do. Whatever he tells us, that's what we will do. They took a stance on their own merit. Saying that they could. They hadn't even heard the word yet. And God said, Moses, that's it. Get up here. <laughs> now you take this back down and you give this to them. And tell them. They had broke the first one. Before Moses even got off the mountain. God wants us to understand. If you can picture this. God wants us to understand something here. It's not about you and what you are capable of. It was about him and what he was able to do. Jesus goes on. Jesus talks 
Jesus talks to the disciples and he said, the, the, he, he, he's talking to the whole group, I think. And, and he's talking about the greatest commandment was to love God, right? And love your neighbor as yourself. He said, this is the greatest commandment. And better yet, this is what he was saying. RDN, trans, not translation, RDN interpretation series. He said, I'm just going to give you one thing because you can't even fulfill any of the other ones. This will keep you busy until I get back. It's like, it's like molasses and a feather on an 18-month-old baby sitting in the floor. It'll keep him busy until he gets back. <laughs> and he goes on and he's talking about this. And then we see this picture. We, we see this picture of Peter. And we see this picture of John. Remember John, John the Beloved. The one that Christ loved. Remember that? He, see, we, we've looked at that. John the Beloved. Like Jesus really loved him more than he loved anybody else. I hope y'all not really agreeing with that. It wasn't the fact that Jesus loved John more. It had nothing to do with that. Absolutely nothing to do with that. Peter, he told Jesus, he said, remember this? He pointed around the room. I can, just, I can see it. He pointed at all the other apostles. Or at the time, disciples. He pointed it all. He said, no matter what they do, <laughs> I'm here for you. I'll even die with you. Remember that? Okay, let me help you out. Peter wasn't lying. Look, Peter was for real. Peter loved that dude. Peter cut a man's ear off. Peter loved Jesus. I believe Peter just beat the snot out of you, man, if you got too close. That's what I feel like. I, I think Peter was a little rusty like me. See, in our cabinet business, we have this, these granite tops. You, and you can get these granite tops where they're smooth. And then you can get some where they're chiseled. So it leaves a rough edge. It looks good. It's cool. But it, it's just rough, right? <laughs> Not real rough, but it's, it's jagged. That's me. I'm chiseled granite. <laughs> But he's working on me. So Peter, Peter, if if I can do this, Peter is a is a is a representation of like most believers. Jesus, I love you. I'm gonna go to church for you. I'm not gonna cuss. I'm not gonna smoke. I'm not gonna. He's this is Peter. Peter's saying, I'll do everything I need to do. Because I love you. Some, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Uh-oh. I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't, but God, I love you. Well, I can't go to church this Sunday because I got something going on. Oh, I can't go this Wednesday because I'm just tired. Or I can't. See, y'all think I'm trying to put condemnation. All I'm doing is opening up a door for you. Come on into church. Unlike any other church you ever go to. Come on in. And here we have a picture of John the Beloved. Remember where it talked about John. See, in, in, in their custom, they would, they would lean 
at the table. They didn't all stand on one side of the table and lean to Jesus. That picture, y'all stop, okay? Y'all worship that picture. There ain't no picture. Stop. Y'all don't even eat like that at your house. You got people scattered everywhere. But in their custom, they would lean on one arm while they would eat. Because they didn't have chairs. Y'all spoil a bunch of people. Some of you got arms on the chairs that sit at the head of the table. Whoops. Better take arms off. Got to be comfortable when we eat. And they were leaning. But the Bible was specific to say that John leaned back into Jesus' bosom. Not because he was the most loved. Please, okay, you're going to have to hear this. Please understand this. It wasn't from, he wasn't leaning into Jesus from the position that he was loved more by Jesus. He understood that he was loved by Jesus. A lot of our Christianity and how we, how we believe that we're Christian or not is how much we love Him and how much we do for Him. Can I tell you that you will be more victorious in your life in every circumstance and every situation the moment this light bulb will go off in your head and you will realize that no matter who you are or what you've done, God loves you. Boy, this Sunday's going to be a good Sunday when we go home. Because now I ain't got to work for it. I don't have... See, Don, everything that I do now, everything, everything that I come across in my life now, it, it's, I don't have to worry about whether or not people think that I should do or I shouldn't do. or I, All I should be concerned with and understand is that God does love me. And it's out of that position that I know that God loves me that I begin to love others. A man that does not understand how to receive love will never understand how to give love. He said, freely I give, for freely I've received. It's what you are able to receive from God that you will be capable of giving to others. So when we ask people to come to church, we're not asking people to come and be like us. We're asking them to come and be like Christ. We're asking them that if you'll come in and just open up your heart and open up your mind and just release yourself and allow yourself to walk in a sense of humility, you will find that God loves you in and through it all and it doesn't matter what you've done. No one can send you to hell But too many of us have lived out that life of Christianity based on what it is that we do and we don't. And we allow the condemnation that arises from others that want to shoot the law like an arrow. Yes. But can I tell you this morning, if you'll just receive the love of Christ, if you'll just understand, it doesn't matter. If you'll just learn to receive the love of Christ... Charlie, because he loves you. Because he loves you. If, if, you can, if you can learn to receive that, 
He's not out to hurt you. He said, I've got plans for you, and I know what they are. They're of good and not of evil. I love you. Well, then, then why the law? Why do we even, why? Do, why? That's, I, look, I've asked it. Somebody says something to me. I know who it was. It was Amanda. And I'm going to say her name out on the Broadway. Because she called me and we were talking. I was, at the, I was at the shoe doctor getting shoes for my truck. <laughs> but I'm sitting and I'm waiting and, and the phone rings and I pick up the phone and I answer. And we're talking and, and she's just telling me all about, you know, everything's going blah, 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 blah. And she said, you know, Rocky, I've even told my mom, I just, I just wish that we didn't have free will. And I said, glory to God. I said, I understand exactly what you're talking about. Because I say it all the time. God, just make me do it. And that way I ain't got to worry about it. <laughs> but he loves you too much. He loves you too much to lie to you. Well, what does that mean? That means that he give you your own free will. That means that he's not going to cross that line. He's not going to make you go to church. He's not going to make you love him. Yeah. Do you know that? God's not going to make you love You have to pay attention to me. Don't look at her. You have to choose to love him. How do I do that, Pastor? By first knowing that he loves me. So everything that you do in life in Christianity is not about earning your salvation or merit of your righteousness. Matter of fact, when you apply yourself to that, you've now become to depart from it. Boy, see people going, oh, he can lean way over into grace now. I didn't tell you that the law wasn't there. I'm telling you the law is still there and you better behave yourself. I'm just trying to help you on how to behave yourself. First, understand, recognize, and receive that Christ loved me first. So now everything that I do and everything that I say is out of the response that he loved me. That's how I love him back. Amen. I should just say the end. Huh? Tommy, I don't think I'll give you this one. I think I want to go here, though. Um, Well, Rocky, if you get to the right place. Romans 5, Tommy. Romans 5, verse 20. Because this answers that question. Well, if, if God's grace is what God's grace is, then why the law? Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. See, you don't like to be offended at church, and I want you offended every time you walk out. I want you offended because the gospel is the truth and the gospel is sharper than any two-edged sword. Okay? I want you to be offended because in the offense you find out, hey, maybe I'm not and maybe I should. Right? Maybe, maybe, I, maybe I am and maybe I shouldn't. You with me? That, that's, where, that's why the law. So that the offense may abound. What's that mean? It's so that I can become offended in myself knowing that me on my own good standing, I can't stand before God and ask for anything. 
many, have you ever found people that tell you, well, I've been praying about it, and you, well, see, I, don't, I can't open the door up with you because y'all take it to the, y'all weigh it down all the time. If, if an unbeliever is known to be an unbeliever, but they tell you that they're praying, does that not just strike something in you? How, how do you pray for God unless you're praying from a repentant heart, lest the Spirit of God has drawn you, lest you already understand that, with or with, that, that without Christ that you're nothing and that your righteousness is a filthy rag and you can't, you can't do anything, but yet you've got the audacity to approach the one that created both heaven and earth. And ask him to help you in the situation I'm in. Well, how does that happen? Now, let me help you again. What if God knows something you don't know? And what if God said, he actually turned to me. He doesn't know it yet. Watch this. And the prayer's answered. And now that whoa. This is exactly what I pray for. And this is what I got. I know you religious people, I know. I know. This is why I'm trying to help you understand the grace of God. It is so deep, you'll never get to the bottom of it. It's so high, you'll never climb over it. It's so wide, you can't get around it. I think I covered everything. Oh, it's so, well, yeah, it's so deep, you can't, yeah, okay, I got you. Grace is huge. But it goes on to say, watch, it says grace abounded much more. See, even, even in our sin, his love and his grace for us abounded much more. See, we thought that we found ourselves so imperfect that we would never be able to achieve it. And grace come in and said, yeah, you can. Just let me love you. Don't worry about checking off, went to church this Sunday. Mm-hmm. Paid tithes. <laughs> Done my devotion. Read a chapter before I went to bed. Prayed for 15 minutes. Come on, who am I talking to? You're checking off as if that's earning your salvation. And everything that you've done wasted your time if you don't understand God's grace on your life. Because it was him that afforded you the opportunity to do all those things that you've done. Don't do it to earn it. Stop, stop doing it to try to show him that you love him. Let him love you and see what changes in your life. 
You ever felt unloved? Men. You ever felt unloved? You ever felt unappreciated? Wives, don't be. Why did y'all look at your husbands? Stop. You ever felt like there's never enough or you wasn't given enough or there's... How many of us honestly can answer our question inside of ourselves and go, I never feel like that it's enough. They don't say I love you enough. They don't touch me enough. They don't kiss me enough. They don't give me enough money. God said, he said, I am enough. Amen. I'm more Amen. than enough. <laughs> Man, can you hear him say that to you? Can you hear him whisper that to you right now? I am your El Shaddai. Amen. <laughs> you, want, you, want, <laughs> you want people, never mind, I can't, I can't. Man, it brings me back to James, bridling the tongue. Man, it's hard. It's like a big old ship with a little bitty rudder. Takes a while to turn, so I'll go ahead and tell you. (laughs) You know what I agitate people more than your rebuttal? Is your peace in it. Let me help explain it. The agitation with them will be because you won't rebuttal or you won't fight against what they're trying to condemn you on. If you will rest, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. If you'll rest in the arms of God and just know that He loves me no matter what. God, I want to do better. Not to make it to heaven. That's already handled. (laughs) Yeah, let's see. That's already fixed. I don't don't have to walk by all the shame for man. That's handled. Because that's... So God, I get it. I'm going to rest in you knowing that you love me and knowing that your grace will abound much more and much greater than any sin. And God, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that Jesus stands in mine and your way. (laughs) And he's got to look through him to see me. I I need that. So if y'all praying and I enter into the Holy of Holies, I need you to move. (laughs) Because <laughs> I need Jesus right between me and God. Because that's, that's my righteousness. Christ is my righteousness. And if God peers through Jesus at me, he sees nothing but holy. Because he's wearing the Jesus glasses. I'm going to buy every one of y'all a pair of Jesus glasses. <laughs> that way you won't look at people... Awkward. All right, I'm closing. Just hang on. Let me finish this and we're closing, okay? 
so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Your righteousness is through Him, not through what you've done or didn't do. Did you get helped a little bit? I'm done. Told you, you just give me, I'm done. I'll finish. I'm going to drop you on your head now. <laughs> Charlie rules religion relationship. How are we doing it? How are we living it out? How many of you, and be honest with me, buy Facebook, YouTube, everybody else, bye-bye, whatever, see you. You can raise your hand now, everybody can see you on the camera. <laughs> How many of you this morning, do you want me to have you bow your head and close your eyes? <laughs> I'm not going to ask you to come up here and me lay hands on you and pray for you. I'm, I'm not doing all that. I'm not setting you up. How many of you came to church this morning because you knew this is the only reason you came, because you knew Jesus loved you? Be honest with yourself. How many of you came to church this morning based on that and that alone is knowing that Jesus loved you? How many of you came to church this morning based on it's what we are supposed to do? Y'all not going to respond. They're not going to participate in nothing. Everybody's going, you're not catching me. <laughs> How many of you came to church because you thought you'd done bad all week and you've got to go to church to get rid of that? See, I know you ain't going to participate, and I'm okay with it. I kind of figured you wouldn't anyway, scaredy cats. But if God asks you that question, you better answer him. You hear me? Rules, religion, relationship. How you living it out. Let's stand.